welcome to 2021 and welcome to this solo episode. So it's a different format to my usual kind of episodes. Um, They'll resume next week. I've been busy nurturing and recording new episodes with amazing people, which I can't wait to bring to you. But I really wanted to record this solo episode, um, really to share my reflections of 2020 and my own experiences. And yeah, there's a few reasons why I want to do this really. Um, I guess the first one is kind of just as a vocal journal that I can listen back on. Um, As I was writing out last week my reflections of 2020 and my achievements, it really hit me how much I value the, I guess you could call them micro achievements, which are still achievements to me, but by that I mean the achievements that aren't necessarily recognised as such by society, the gold medal kind of achievements, um, which are validated so much. To me, um, really, when I reflect on on what I was writing about 2020, which basically turned out to be like a journal entry for each for each achievement, it made me realise how much of the growth and the insights and the learnings are really important to me. And yeah, they really feel like achievements to me. So I guess another reason why I want to share this is to empower you and validate that it's okay to really value the smaller things. And of course, the smaller things aren't even the small things. They're exactly what matter. They create the foundations. They're the stepping stones to bigger achievements. And and I guess also because... I mean, there's a narrative at the moment like, thank God 2020 is gone, hello 2021, and and I get it because 2020 was so wild. But I guess I want to encourage you to question, how bad was 2020 really for you? And what, what achievements did you gain, notwithstanding the year that we had? What challenges did you face and overcome? And I guess when I reflected on on my 2020, I thought, God, it's actually been a great year. When I look back, the different things I've done, the achievements, the growth, I'm like, well, actually, it was a great year. And I don't mean to take take that away from the pain that's happened in the year and people suffering. We've been through a crazy time. Awful things have happened and my sympathy goes out to everyone. And likewise, um, I've had some of my darkest, lowest, heaviest moments in 2020. Um, yeah, and from those, really, much of my growth came from them. So I guess I want to encourage you to really reflect on that, really reflect on those darker times, those challenges, and think, well, how did they actually help me? How did they set me up for some growth? Because from challenges come comes opportunity, from darkness comes light, Um so yeah, just to encourage you to think along those lines, really, um, as I did once I reflected on, on my 2020, it just sort of changed my outlook on it. And yeah, just to share my experiences, because it's been a wild one for us all, we've all really been um, through the same challenges, but in different ways, because we all have different things in the mix. Um, we've really been in it together, so um, you'll no doubt resonate with some of my shares um, yeah, and hopefully you'll find it interesting. Hopefully, hopefully you'll take some useful insights from it. Um, just to emphasise again, this is through this is twenty twenty through my lens, through my experience, and we're all very different. So, 
just take what lands with you um and yeah i hope you find it useful and interesting so i'm going to sort of tackle this as sort of a timeline really going from january to december um i've written sort of different milestones issues insights that i want to touch on and i guess that just makes sense because it's how the year unfolded it went from january to december um yeah and just before I dig into it, um, you know, just to say again, what a wild year. I don't know how many times I said the words, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Uh, yeah, I think my phrase of 2020 was, what the actual fuck? Along with um, the other key words for me that came up were pivot and surrender. They've definitely been two themes for me. So yeah, let's get into it. So starting off with January... I think we all enter January as in like, woohoo, happy new year, welcome to 2020. None of us knew what was round the corner, what was about to come in one to two months time. And for me, um, I started the year sort of mid-Jan. I went to Bali in Australia with uh, my mum and sister for a two-week trip. And the purpose of that really was to take my mum to show her that side of the world. She's never been before, but um, me and my sister used to live in Bali. I've spent a lot of time there um, solo as well. And we really want to show my mum where we used to live, the the amazing things we love about Bali, and just to give her that experience, really. And so, yeah, as I started, you know, reflecting on January, that went down as an achievement. And again, it's not an achievement in the sense of, oh, a promotion or or something along those lines. But for me, it really felt like, a nourishing experience to share that with my mum and definitely one notable thing which kind of felt like an achievement or something I felt really proud of was actually seeing my mum get on the back of a scooter in Bali um, and for anyone that knows Bali you've been the best way to get around is basically on a scooter it's like the most efficient way and I remember the first time I ever went I had to get over my fear of that and actually learn how to ride a scooter. And once I did, I loved it. It's like, for me, the most freeing thing to do in the world. I just love it. It's my favourite mode of transport. Um, yeah, and so my mum has so many fears around, like, heights and all different things. And, yeah, we never thought she would get on the back of one. And she didn't want to, so we respected that. But on the last day, she was just like, I want to do it. So my sister took her... Um, for a ride to the beach on the back of her scooter and it was amazing and to me like that does feel like an achievement it was awesome and beautiful to share that experience with her and reflecting on that trip um, I kind of feel like I didn't know what was around the corner and because I've been to Bali so many times that was probably like I don't know my seventh time it was like another trip and in, in hindsight, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have or could have. And now looking back, I'm just like, wow, wow, wow. So grateful for that freedom I had. So grateful to have been able to start 2020 in that way. And actually, in, in many ways, I guess it's sort of anchored in 2020. Some of the things I really value. Freedom, sunshine health family and yeah they were different themes that came up for me for the remainder of the year so that was an awesome start then we get a bit later into the year march april when really 
shit started getting real, didn't it? Um, the first lockdowns happened, borders were closing. There was a lot of fear around, you know, what was going on in terms of our health and things. Um, and just sort of some personal context, um, how this all really landed for me. And I thought, whoa, this is real. Up until this point, I'd sort of been saying, no, nothing will come of it. No, it won't escalate. No, they won't do that. Um, and yeah, actually, going back to the Bali trip, I remember being in the airport there and seeing um, when we arrived, there was a special sort of um, arrivals bit if you'd come from China. But I didn't really think anything of it because, you know, that th that's quite common with um, sort of different things that I've been around in the past that's like quite a common thing to see when you're traveling um in relation to um different pandemics that have happened but haven't really hit us properly um but yeah I guess it really 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 landed for me in March when um I was supposed to go to India so just a bit of context and I appreciate everyone had plans changed and um yeah, it was wild for everyone, um, but just sort of sharing my personal experience of the first thing that was really affected for me. I was due to fly to India where, and just a bit of background, um, my partner and I had itchy feet to go and live abroad or at least travel abroad together um, and just kind of go with the flow and see where life took us. So that culminated in a plan to go to India in the end of end of March and then on to Bali and just kind of go with the flow. I'd still be working because I work remotely and um, yeah, just seeing where life took us really. And due to that, we made like a few strategic life decisions. My partner took voluntary redundancy. We gave up... Um, the house we were living in ready to go off um, my partner went out to India first because he was doing his yoga teacher training I needed to stay in England to um, yeah just sort out a few things and I was going to meet him there a little later just sort of two or three weeks after I think and it was at that point um, things were escalating with the global situation and India closed its borders it was one of the first countries to do it and it really hit home for me it was like wow this is happening and I know there's worse things to happen in the world but for me it was initially quite confronting I think when I reflect because we're used to having so much freedom and being told well no you can't go you can't go on that flight like I've been used to flying here there and everywhere whenever I chose and suddenly I'm being told, well, no, it's not happening and there's no way you can get around it. Um, yeah, so that was quite confronting. And then obviously not just about the trip, but for us, that was the start of like a new chapter in our life. Um, so we obviously had to pivot and surrender um, those two keywords again. And so, yeah, we ended up getting locked down apart um because we'd like given up our home I was living with my mum in my hometown and with my sister which can bring up its own sort of conflicts and things but on the whole that was like really beautiful and amazing I got so much from that which I'll come on to um but yeah it was interesting being locked down apart which you know we're both quite independent anyway and are used to doing things on our own and not necessarily being in each other's pockets but just because our plans change so much 
And um, my partner's journey was really interesting, actually. Um, he recorded sort of a journal with photos on Instagram. I can share his handle in the show notes of like each day of lockdown and his experience over there because things were really strict. And obviously it's just, it, I found it really interesting. Um, obviously being in a different culture and different ways. and But on the whole, he had so many beautiful experiences with how helpful and loving um, the Indians were. And he basically ended up, he was doing his yoga teacher training and one by one all the other students left, but there were no repatriate repatriate flights for people to the UK till for a long time and he ended up living at the yoga place having the yoga shala to himself um well with a couple of people who he was sort of taking care of and um like ended up being like a care the caretaker the default caretaker um of that place because the owner had to go off somewhere else so that was quite an interesting journey for him and his insights so and meanwhile, I'm I'm back in the UK. I'm locked down there. And once I'd got over the fact that I was going nowhere, like I'd looked into a... I sort of tried to pivot and thought about going to Bali. And I thought there's more chance of us being together if I went there and he could possibly get out of India. I actually booked a flight and at that time I felt a lot of fear about this situation. Um, I don't anymore. I grew past that for a number of reasons. But at that time I was genuinely fearful. It was a new situation for us all. There's a lot of um, fearful information out there. And yeah, so I thought about going to Bali. I even booked a flight um, and I went to the airport and didn't get on the flight. Um, and I never thought I'd be that girl that didn't catch a flight. I had the option to, the borders were still open, but something was telling me don't get it. And now on reflection, because of things I'm about to share, I realise I was meant to stay at home. I was meant to be in my hometown in the UK for that, for that period anyway. And yeah, so that was another sort of wild confrontation for me. I never thought I would feel that way or, or not get a flight, um, yeah, there were different things in the mix behind that as well. But yeah, once I'd gotten over the fact that I was going nowhere um, and yeah, I was going to be in one place for the foreseeable, I actually felt a lot of peace, a lot of peace and I quite enjoyed it. Um, and I didn't agree with the reasons as such behind it that sort of the freedoms had been taken away from us. But putting that aside... I felt so peaceful. I was just like, mm, this is nice. Like, and there was a collective pause, wasn't there? I don't know if you felt it as well, but like this collective mm, sigh of relief, like we can press pause on life. We don't have to be everywhere. We don't have to be making that social commitment. We don't have to be running to that event. We don't, um, yeah, have to be here, there and everywhere, everywhere, whatever that looks like for you. And for me, it was just lovely, yeah, to be in one place, to ground, to like not have to think about how am I going to make the most of my life? Like, what's the next thing I can be doing? How can I be thriving? How how can I be like moving on? What can I be doing in, in like a physical way? And I, th I think I always feel that underlying pressure of, you know, if you've got a free weekend, sometimes I'm like, oh, should I be going down to London this weekend to meet up with those friends, to meet up with those those contacts like 
like free time easily gets taken up, doesn't it, by things we think we should do. And even though they're amazing, and at this place in 2021, gosh, we would welcome those back in a second, wouldn't we? Um, but I just felt, yeah, peace is the best way to describe it. And yeah, it was just lovely settling into a routine and um, spending time with my mum and sister. Um, me and my sister had so many nature walks. I mean, wasn't 2020 the year of the walk? Like, hello, <laughs> how many people discovered the walk, which is only a good thing, like walks in nature, all the chats. Um, yeah, I had so many amazing chats with my sister during that time, you know, just like figuring things out and and like having these different thoughts about everything and just being able to openly chat. Um, and I think that's one thing I've definitely taken from 2020. It's so important to have at least one person who you can say anything to, anything, and it won't be judged or criticised. And like just have these open conversations and thought experiments with. Um, yeah, so... I mean, I'd, up until then, I actually had been embracing so many nature walks. I'd really sort of cut back certain things in my life and refined them down to what I thought was important. Um, and like nature walks had anyway been a big feature of my life, but they became an even bigger feature and like the focus of the day, basically. Um, so moving on to some of my other learnings during this period... Um, lockdown number one um I guess we all were invited to consider our health like this was all about health wasn't it and I guess we all reviewed what health meant to us in some way and I really did uh, it really made me think and again I've already been on this journey anyway and made certain commitments but it made me think and get more clarity and be more laser focused regarding my health and nurturing that and creating my health from the inside out in natural ways. So I want to share a couple of things with you that I came across during that period that really opened my eyes and really anchored into me the importance of health um, in like natural ways, if that makes sense. So I read a book called How Not to Die. I know that <laughs> The title's quite confronting, isn't it? Like, what a title. But it is the most amazing book I've ever read regarding health. So it's by a guy called Dr. Michael Greger. And basically, it's all about eating and how we can eat ourselves out of disease or eat our way to prevent disease. Um, so he's done lots and lots of scientific experiments that are included in the book. Uh, which blew my mind, showing, um, reversing cancer, heart disease, all sorts of things, re actually reversing them. He has a section on prevention, but he actually shows, gives examples and talks about experiments reversing these things through our food, through healthy eating, primarily plant-based diet, and it just blew my mind. And yeah, he explains all the experiments in there, I think like, one of them, he was with, I think it was bowel cancer cells that he had in a, is it called a pipette, like that tray thing? I don't know. I'm not getting the terms right. <laughs> Definitely refer to the book. Um, and he put like um, broccoli, like broccoli cells in it. And 
it actually reduced the size of the cancer cells. And this just blew my mind because we're not taught this. I was like, why wasn't I taught this at school? Like, this is the information I want to learn, like eat ourselves healthy, literally. Um, and basically he even says in the book, he hasn't been able to get proper um, sort of scientific investment to do like even bigger experiments because as things stand in the quote unquote health sector, who wants to pay to prove that broccoli can help us? There's no money in that, is there? So yeah, all these start things just started, I was already on those tracks anyway, but really made me question more things and really encouraged me to up level in my own health, which is something I've definitely done in 2020. Um, so highly recommend that book. I'll pop it in the show notes. And something else I really anchored into, and, and it, again, it was something I was doing anyway, kind of inspired from my barley days, but having, starting the day with a smoothie bowl, like it's my favourite breakfast ever. Um, and it was really inspired by, from the time that I lived in Bali. So basically a smoothie bowl, for those of you that haven't had one, is a smoothie like jam-packed with fruits, vegetables, all sorts of different things together with some granola, cereals, nuts, whatever takes your fancy. And I'd been doing this for a few, a couple of years anyway, sort of on and off, but I really anchored into that and made it a point of my, of every morning, basically. So whipping up a, you know, a smoothie, my favourite one is, um, well, I've got a couple. If I'm fancying sort of fruity berry vibes, then I'll put, I'll always put banana in or avocado as the base, but banana berries, uh, acai powder, um, Michael Greger in the How Not to Die book really hypes up acai powder and acai berries by the way, acai powder, um, I've got this sort of vegan protein powder put in which adds some sweetness but it's not full of crap, it's a real natural one, um, I can share the details with you if you're interested in trying that and yeah sometimes peanut butter as well and it's so tasty so that's if I want berry vibes if I want a green vibe and some of these ingredients sound disgusting but with the addition of peanut butter and the protein powder I mentioned it's beautiful so my green one consists of broccoli spinach sometimes wheatgrass powder as well or some other superfood powder then peanut butter and this sort of sweeter vanilla um, protein powder and it's honestly beautiful so I'll whip that up into like it's like a thick like a runny consistency but still quite thick and I pour it on muesli like you would pour milk on and yeah and I sit and enjoy it and um to me it's like whatever else happens in the day um in terms of my eating like obviously I try and make it as healthy as possible but even if it goes to shit I know it has started in the most nutritious beautiful and tasty way and it's been such an amazing anchor to every day for me and also that time sitting down with it, like I always um, made a point of trying to go out, just sit outside in the garden, sit on the grass, really ground and sit there and eat my smoothie bowl. And it was those simple things where I was like, mm, this is so nice. Whatever happened in the day, I'd had that Lauren time eating a lovely smoothie, smoothie bowl. So maybe that's the most passionate uh, story about smoothie bowls but yeah I am truly passionate about it and it was kind of inspired by my sister really she when we came back from Bali she just like 
whipped up all these healthy meals and has always done the smoothie bowl thing like with such like ease and simplicity like she makes it so easy and I just thought well I can do that as well like sometimes I'm I moan about the lack of healthy food options in England because the struggle is real like as in um as in convenient options in Bali there's cafes on every corner that serve affordable healthy food and sometimes like I want to go to Bali for that food but it's like Lauren no you can't now just make it here so yeah it's been awesome really anchoring into that and yeah definitely inspired by my sister as well who has also just released her very first plant-based ebook so well done Kerry if you're listening that was an awesome achievement for you in 2020. So um, sticking on the topic of health but shifting a bit to mental health obviously 2020 brought with it many challenges in that regard I mean you know for people who as well who had probably maybe never even experienced sort of mental health issues you know levels of anxiety and things like it kind of it was the other side like how can you not be feeling these things um there was so much going on so much fear mongering so many unknowns so many like conflicting messages so many changes to our lives so many money worries so many health worries how is that not going to cause even the mildest anxiety? And I think as a collective, it's something we all experienced to some degree. And yeah, for me, I've already said, I've already felt some of my deepest, darkest, lowest moments in 2020. Um, But, you know, I went through that experience and I won't let it define me. And I think it was here to teach me something. And one thing I've learned with, um, mental health or just negative feelings, negative emotions that are coming up, they are all our teachers and they're showing us something. They're either showing us where, where we're, out, we're out of alignment in our life. They're showing us um, emotions we haven't processed, um, things that, yeah, things that need to be dealt with and they can be triggered from all sorts of different things which probably many of us felt in 2020. Um, but I want to share, yeah, a couple of things. Um so one person I came across in 2020, um, I was listening to a podcast with him on, was Dr. Bruce Lipton. So I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, but yeah, he really came into my consciousness in 2020. And what he was saying about anxiety just landed for me and it made sense. So, um, well, just to say as well that he's a biologist and he specialises in epigenetics, which... I mean, listen to him for yourself and he'll explain it better than me, but um, it's all about the fact that beliefs control human biology rather than our DNA. So yeah, he really speaks about, you know, it's not necessarily our DNA that will determine if we get a particular disease or if we uh, have this characteristic, it's our beliefs. And he has lots of scientific proof of that and it's becoming more mainstream in the scientific arena. Um, But anyway, kind of aside from that, he, in one of the podcast episodes that he was in, that I listened to, he gave the example of how debilitating anxiety can be for us. And this really landed with me. So he explained about when um, surgeons are doing um, an organ transplant, they specifically inject into the human body stress, the stress hormone. And they do that because stress shuts down the immune system. 
And in the context of um, an organ transplant, they want that to happen because they don't want the the body's normal reactions to occur and reject the organ, if that makes sense. So in that context, it's a good thing if the immune system shuts down because then it won't start fighting off this new organ. And obviously the point is to do the organ transplant and make sure that goes fine. But this just so landed with me. Like, obviously, I know stress is not a good thing. I've experienced it. And I know that from reading and hearing different things. But you know where something just really lands for you and makes you go, OMG, like, I really get that. And I feel that. I feel that message. So if stress and anxiety is that debilitating, it can shut down the immune system. Well, doesn't that say everything about health and how important and critical it is that we focus on our mental health and try and ensure as much as we can that we don't enter that state of anxiety because we are compromising our immune system. And yeah, from from then on, you know, I put lots of things in place anyway to ensure, like, manage any stress. And yeah, I've completely changed my life around. So I'm rarely in sort of stressful situations. And when I am, I definitely know how to handle them in like a peaceful, managed way. Not all the time, of course, we're human. But it really just landed for me that, wow, that's important. And first things first is do what you need to do to make sure you're not in anxious situations. And for me in 2020, that what that looked like sometimes was shutting off certain things. Like I don't need to know that information and it doesn't. I don't wanna know it from that particular source because it's been showcased in a very fear-mongering way. I don't need to hear that. So that's like one step I took in the context of 2020 to minimize that and just stay in my own own little world in some respects and for anyone in survival mode that is so important like your priority is not thriving as such it's not like looking to these higher ways you can grow your life and develop personally like if if you're in survival mode that's the first thing that needs to be addressed because you can't build your life um, and grow in different ways in nourishing ways if you're in survival mode and and one way being in survival mode shows up sometimes is is through those sort of anxious states. So yeah, that really landed for me in terms of mental health. And I'm super grateful. Again, I see that as an achievement sort of coming across him uh, in the context of like the growth and insights I got from that. Um, so yeah, um, go check him out, Dr. Bruce Lipton, um, if you resonate with anything within that. And I guess still in the context of mental health, but pivoting slightly was how much stuff went online so yoga went online um which made it a lot more accessible for many of us and i know in many ways um like i prefer the real life version and that connection with humans but it was really amazing to see how many people pivoted at such short notice and changed their business and put them online um my sister went through this she's a yoga teacher and i was in awe of how like gracefully she did it and with such ease and again you can look at it like oh I lost my physical business but how many people then like up leveled the business or made it more accessible to other people there's some for example like some um, yoga teachers in London that I really admire and follow I can't go go to those classes unless I am in London which isn't very often 
Um, but suddenly opened people like that up and I was able to share different yoga experiences. And yeah, I get that in person in many ways is better, but also like it did bring many benefits both for the yoga teachers and students. Um, and again, like in that remit, the different sort of physical exercises that I became available online and yeah I guess it just opened up the fitness world um to a new different level and of course I can't finish this period without addressing remote working working from home it it was the year that most people started working from home because they had to and this is something I've been doing for the last four years because it, it suits me, like primarily because I wanted to travel or live away um, and I didn't want to be confined to an office. Um, but it's interesting to see how the world has caught up, which has its pros and cons, of course. Um, I imagine there's been lots of challenges with working from home, particularly for families and things like that. But also the benefits, like spending more time with your loved ones, having more you time um, and working things out on your schedule a bit more. And certainly for the legal industry, it was a game changer. So, I mean, I work for and have worked for for the last three or four years, um, a very forward thinking law firm in London who are very open to agile working. When I first started working for them, I was based in Bali. So they've been all over it for ages and that's their model. They have some like full-time people who um, would work ordinarily in the office and they've also got um, many people who work for them on a remote basis. Um, but a lot of the traditional law firms really had to catch up and um, it's something they've been digging the heels in about. Um, I know at the firm I used to work for, Working from home was only an option, really, if, say, you were a mum and you wanted to work from home to be with your children a little bit more, and even then it would maybe be one or two days a week. And people were very um, precious about their physical files and didn't easily want to let them go, and, and practices certainly amongst the more experienced members, let's say, who were used to the more traditional models, they couldn't, they wouldn't have given up the physical files for anything. Um, when, when the prospect of sort of e-filing um, was proposed, I know, yeah, a lot of heels were dug in, and then suddenly everyone had to change, everyone had to pivot. So for the legal industry, I do think it's a good thing in terms of um, it's definitely made them catch up with the times and get on board with e-working ways, e-filing and things and get more on board with technology and it's made them realise that their staff can work from home, they can be trusted to work from home um, and agile, flexible working can and does work because um, they've had to make it work which is really interesting so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds further. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds in the legal arena when working in offices resumes again and and what approach they'll take with things. Right, moving on. Sorry, that section probably took longer than I expected because there were so many different things to cover. So we've gotten over the shock of the start of the year and moving into sort of April, May. Um, for me, I would say 
the focus on these months was personal development. So I'd say February, March, February, March, yeah, were more about surviving, grounding, feeling the peace, accepting what was happening, um, learning about what was happening, um, but really anchoring into my inner peace. And then shifting maybe up a gear is a good way to describe it into April, May. Um, I definitely focus more on my personal development. Um, and I feel like many of us did did this. One reason being like more opportunities were available to us. We had more downtime, more time with ourselves. So it was an awesome opportunity to delve into personal development, whatever that looks like for you. And one thing that was really awesome for me, and I loved having it. So basically, in two, at the end of 2019, I discovered human design. I don't know if any of you have heard of it and you're into it, but I just love it. And I'm probably not going to do it justice by the way I describe it, but basically it's like we all have our own human design. There are five key types and within that there's like lots of subtypes. And it really just spoke to me like my type and human design is basically like Myers-Briggs. I sort of don't want to compare it to it because it's so like next level compared to that. But Myers-Briggs sort of personality type test, how well you work in a team, what type of team with a huge amount of soul added into the mix. And it's based on the chakra system and quantum physics and astrology and it really just spoke to me and yeah, everything about my type just resonated with me and it's really about owning who you are and not judging your qualities but acknowledging what they are and your what your design type is and how what you're meant to do in the world, how you work in teams based on your design what kind of partners suit you best, everything to even food and eating yeah, I guess it just gave me a new language for things I've really known about myself, but then had a language for through the language of human design. And really, it's like our energetic DNA. And yeah, anyway, so I'd already explored human design. And then I had um, my specific blueprint prepared by um, one of the amazing human design specialists that I follow and then I had a one-on-one -on -one session with her which was awesome uh, with Erin Claire Jones and yeah it was amazing to ha have that and I mean you know I, for anyone that knows me I'm really into personal development and learning more about myself and growing um, but that re that downtime really enabled me to focus more on human design and yeah I just love it and I think we could all benefit from it so much and actually um I've actually been really wanting to bring a human design expert onto the podcast and I was like oh I wish there was a human design expert who used to be a lawyer and I was like universe please send me that and then at the end of last year I came across one and I went to one of her workshops, online workshops at the start of this year, and she's amazing. And yeah, basically I'm bringing her onto the podcast very soon. So I can't wait to share that with you because it'll be amazing. I know you'll vibe with it and take so much from it. So yeah, that'll be a good one to look out for. And then continuing on the self-development 
theme. In June, I decided to sign up for a mentor coaching program with a mentor I really, really vibe with. She's called Victoria Beaumont. She's amazing. I know her from um, our Bali days. We both used to live there. And she's this beautiful but badass, real human. She's so, like, real. And you know where you just totally connect with someone's messages and you know that they're the real deal. They ooze integrity. They're not bullshitting. They're living and breathing what they're talking. Well, she's all about that. So she launched um, a coaching program, a group coaching program called Rise, which I joined. And that was amazing to be surrounded by other people who were so keen on growing and working through different things and had different projects they wanted to bring to life and just have some one-on-one time with Victoria. And she was amazing at helping me work through certain things. So if you're looking for... um, a leadership, a leadership mentor or coach who's a human, very human. Um, I definitely recommend her. And part of that program was um, it involved breath work because she's a breath work facilitator as well. And I've already done quite a lot of breath work by this point, but I kind of went next level with her. So she's part of this breath work group called Awaken. Um, check them out. They're on Instagram with the name Awaken. I can link it. And they basically teach the holotropic modality of breath work. And it's it, it can be really intense depending on what degree you do it to, but basically like it has the power to alter your state of consciousness. Um, and that has a different effect for different people and at different times, depending on what zone you're in. So I had a number of breathwork sessions with her and yeah, it like, it really overtakes your body. I mean, everyone has different experiences, but it really made my hands all tingly. It made me feel high at some points. I completely released emotion at other times. It made me cry. It made me laugh. Yeah, it's just wild. Um, check it out, holotropic breath work and definitely via Awaken. And then, um, yeah, it was June when I started to make the first official moves to bring Legally Different to life. So up until then, like I've had the idea for for about two years Um and quite specific ideas. I'd made plans for it, made lists of guests. Um, yeah, had all sorts of ideas about how things would look with it. Um, but just never t- took that step to actually bring it to life. And I did that in June. I reached out to my first two potential guests and they both came back immediately saying, hell yeah, of course. And um, so they are Liv, who was the, she's the second episode, and Kathy, who is in the first episode. And I was just like, amazing. You know where you put something out into the world and we shouldn't need this validation, but it definitely helped. It was like, I'd had this idea and, you know, it was nothing without the guests. And to have them come back and be like, hell yeah, would love to be on it, amazing. It was just awesome. And I was like, well, this is the start of it. It's happening now, isn't it? I've put it out there, it's happening. So um, yeah, I did my first interviews in June with those two guests. Um, And actually without realizing it, it was amazing as well to be able to just connect with other people, other like-minded people. Um, And yeah, yeah, it was amazing really. And then 
as things turned out, I didn't launch Legally Different till October um, because of different things that took my time up in between and just like bringing things to life and, and like working out all this techie stuff, like it's all brand new to me. So yeah, and here we are. Um, so yeah, that started during the first lockdown. Um, and then moving into July and August, I bought a bike. Um, I feel like 2020 was also the year that many people got into cycling, including me. I don't think I've had a bike since, yeah, since I was a child. And I think before that, the last bike I rode was possibly a Boris bike in London um, when I took one now and then to get to work. Um, so yeah, I bought like um, a proper, not a racer bike, but a hybrid and got into cycling and went out into the English countryside. This is when things are starting to open a bit more, open up a bit more and yeah, just thought it was an awesome gateway to getting exercise and being in nature. But little did I know how much influence and what part it would play in, in the next chapter, um, which basically in August, ended up being so by this point just for a bit of context I was getting itchy feet I was like we've been through all this like what's next like I do want to travel I need to feel that freedom like the reasons we were going away are all still there like I wanted to explore I wanted to have an adventure um and lockdown really brought me so much inner freedom I worked through so many inner things that got rid of that need to adventure for adventure's sake. But I also realised it's part of me. I love exploring new things. Um, I love, yeah, new opportunities, new experiences. So long story short, oh, and my partner was back from India by this point. He did get home in, I think it was April or maybe May. And we were just like, what are we going to do? Are we going to buckle down here? Oh, we're still going to make something happen. And I was very much in the mindset, particularly in these circumstances, that England is, is not necessarily the place for me. And I, that, but that's not something new for me, anyone that knows me. Like, I like to take the best of both, hence why I've lived between England and Bali a lot for the last few years. Um, there's things I love about England there's things I love about Bali, but neither are perfect. And those those reasons we wanted to go away at the start of the year were still very much there for me. And yeah, I thought, well, what can we do? Like, yeah, this is an opportunity. What should we do? Um, certain things are closed off to us. What 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 opportunities are open to us? And long story short, this ended up in a plan to cycle through Europe. So from England, from our hometown to Hull, this is the journey we went on, uh, to Hull to the ferry port, and then through Holland, through Belgium to, and then our final point was the north of France. So the point of that was um, my dad's 60th birthday had been planned for, um, he booked like a holiday in the north of France, which got cancelled early, earlier in the year. So that was the anchor point. Like I didn't want to miss his 60th. I really wanted to celebrate it with him and ideally there if possible. But me and my partner were like, but 
you know, we've got this time, how can we make this into an adventure? And that's what we decided on, um, to make it into an adventure by cycling there from England and meeting my dad and sister there, um, which was one hell of a journey and something I will never forget. And for me, there definitely had to be a lot of surrender with the process. So it was definitely something my partner was um, more enthusiastic about than me. I was sort of like, well, oh, can we go on the motorbike? But then, because um, I love that freeing feeling of being on a motorbike, but then we were just like, but that would probably even take two days to get there. Like, that's not enough of an adventure time-wise. And so, yeah, I just surrendered to it, really, um, and went with it, which ended up being an amazing experience on so many levels. Oh, that would be a whole podcast in itself, um, talking about our adventures on like a bigger level and a micro level. Yeah, we went through so many diverse places. Like Holland was amazing. It's a beautiful place to ride. Like everything everyone says about it, the paths are so smooth. They've got um, a really intricate, well thought out system for cycling. It's like the equivalent of our roads, but way better. And yeah, the infrastructure is just amazing. And, um, yeah, we went through amazing places in Holland, Belgium, like some small towns you'd never even dream of going to, um, the big cities, Antwerp and Brussels. And, um, yeah, then we ended up cycling through the, um, vineyards in the Champagne region of France. Like the different things we went through are crazy. Um, the good, the bad and the ugly, definitely, with lots of beauty in between and amazing experiences. One learning I can take from that experience is, yeah, when I reflected, this was a huge learning actually, very much in the moment of it, is just surrender and relax. Like, life is meant to be fun. So I was worrying a bit before going because um, I was still going to be working on the go. Like, I work remotely as a lawyer and... I sort of streamlined and reduced how much I was going to be doing, but there was one project in particular I really wanted to keep on, which would maybe take, it's not but much, but say, I don't know, three hours a week with the odd call and emails. And it was just like, how am I going to, I know it's not much time-wise, but just managing it as and when it needs attention, when I'm going to be on the road. And I'd calculated that we'd be on the road about three hours a day um, with our, like our plan of where we needed to get to and everything. But I soon, soon learned that three hours of riding is never three hours of riding. Like I calculated the miles and what our average speed would be. It was definitely more like five hours of road time on the day when you factored in potential mishaps, um, breaks, and just going with the flow. This is the thing, like we don't have to get there in the quickest, fastest time, like enjoy it. And at the beginning, that's how it started out. So basically on our second day of riding, I had to be at our Airbnb, I think for 4 p.m. for um, a con call. And it was a con call I organised. I could have easily rearranged it for the next day, a later time. Actually, I think it was 3 p.m. And But I didn't. And I sort of, yeah, I'd fixed it on that time. I thought, oh, we'll be there in plenty of time. We've got three hours of riding today. We're setting off at 9 oh, we'll be there in plenty of time. Um, it was about, a th I think that was a 30-mile ride um, in Holland. And um, 
but I sort of, I arranged it and I arranged it for that time so I didn't want to backtrack in hindsight, maybe I should. But anyway, with the pressure of that, that time in mind, um, I was definitely approaching that ride like on the clock, like, come on, like we need to do this, these miles quite quickly and we should be there for this time at that point and then that milestone by this time, we'll totally do it. And then um, basically the shit hit the fan in so many ways. Um, I think about an hour in, I fell off my bike. Basically my pannier locked with my partner's pannier. Um, pannier, that sounded like pannier as in um, the Indian cheese. Um, and yeah, and I just took a tumble and luckily it was in, in like a park, it was on a cycle path so it wasn't dangerous but I took a tumble. Like I've still got some of the scars on my arm it really shook me, um, I felt a bit lightheaded, and I just sort of relaxed, I obviously had to prioritise how I felt, and just took some time out, and then got back on the bike when I felt ready, and then from then on, just different things unfolded, it was like a crazy ride, and I think it was like life teaching me to go with the flow and find the joy and ease in things, and don't always be on the clock, um, so the next thing to happen was Clearly, we didn't realise at that point, but clearly a nut had fallen off the rack on my bike, which the panniers were attached to, panniers. And just suddenly, um, thankfully, we would stopped at a petrol station by this point to get some water. But when we set off again, they just fell off. And that's a game changer. Like, there's no way to ride unless they are properly attached to your bike securely. They're very heavy. Like, I think I took around probably was around 15 kg of luggage um and we were like this is a game changer like we might actually have to like I don't know get get a lift in a van or something I don't know call someone and we we're still ages away from our final destination luckily my partner sorted it he went into the petrol station like borrowed some nuts and bits that he needed um a wrench to, to sort it out and he it wasn't an ideal solution, but basically like made it okay. And it did like last for the ride. And then, so now I'm feeling really behind. Now I think it's like probably about one o'clock and I know we've got an hour and a half of riding left, but based on my experience, I know it's longer than an hour and a half. So I'm like, right, this is the last leg. We really need to get there in time. Um, and then we hit a storm like an awful storm um it was headwinds it was raining pouring 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 and I was like we can't stop we need to keep going um for time but also there was like nowhere to shelter there were some trees but it was lightning I was like well we're not going to shelter under them like we we're in the middle of nowhere and I was just like oh my god I remember shouting into the wind fuck this shit like it was still in the phase of the ride where of the whole trip where I wasn't loving it and I was like this is not my type of adventure I was in that zone I was just literally like fuck this shit but eventually we rode out of the storm it ends well the sun came out and and I made it in time for the call not to the Airbnb but we found um a cafe which I um stopped in and and logged on from there 
And I do think, I mean, I've got many stories about remote working when I've been on the road in different ways. Um, And I'm sure many of you have now having worked from home and having to manage family members and pets and things. But sometimes I do think if people could really see what was going on in the background and and stuff yeah there's some funny stories to tell um but yeah I made it and from then on I just took a chill pill and I realized from that when you do that everything else relaxes as well everything is manageable everything happens with ease um you know even legal work and stuff like we don't have to make it into this super serious thing like of course it is serious it's our work we have to be diligent but you don't have to bring that that energy to it like bring lightness to it with everything in life just bring lightness play and joy to it and and it reflects back at you a hundred percent that's been another learning something I was working with my mentor on Victoria Bowman how can we like do this thing with ease and joy because isn't that the point isn't that the whole point of life otherwise what is the point like I think we've been conditioned and programmed to make it harder for ourselves and like there's merit in the struggle and and struggle is often confused with with like being a good human like oh it's good you've worked really hard you've struggled oh you deserve that but actually you deserve that ending as well if you've done it with ease grace and joy um and I think that's a big shift um I'm seeing that in sort of different circles of this era like how can we do things in an easier, more enjoyable way? Um, so yeah, that was a long way of saying that was a big learning for me in 2020. So we arrived in France um, successfully. We'd ridden 300 miles by that point. Um, and by the end, I didn't want it to finish. We were crying as we reached our final point, um, just full of emotion with what we'd achieved. And yeah, didn't want it to end. We just got so used to, I mean, in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I've got to pack my bags again. Like every day we were on the move and going to a new place. But in the end, I missed exploring a new place. I missed being like, oh, what, what's this Airbnb going to be like? What will this town have to offer? Uh, what will we find here? And yeah, it was an amazing experience. And also um, being self-sufficient was a big thing and made me realise how important it is to me and how how we can be streamlined if we want to be and how much baggage literally we can carry with us that we don't necessarily need. And yeah, I loved that it was just us, our wheels, our bike, our smallish amount of luggage. Yeah, and sort of just reflecting as well on one of the things I said earlier about health. I really wanted to stay healthy on the go and just didn't want to end up eating crap from petrol stations and things because it was would have been convenient. So made sure I stocked up on lots of amazing natural organic nutritious snacks um, and bought a cordless blender, which a lot of my friends laughed at. They were like, I can't believe you're on a cycle trip and you're packing a blender and and your Mac. But it was doable. And um, yeah, I made smoothies on the go, like my usual smoothie bowls um, in the diff- most mornings in the different places where we were. Um, so that was an awesome start to the day. And again, just made me feel like really nourished. And of course, I embraced the different food along the way, like fresh croissants in, in France and stuff. 
but I just didn't want that to be the norm, if that makes sense. I really like health is like a big value for me and I want to walk my talk with it. And so for me, that looked like um, making a commitment on the bike trip rather than throwing it out the window. And then, yeah, we we reached France. Um, My dad and sister there were there to welcome us. They were like hidden in some bushes and they'd made... um, like a finishing line for us to go through out of toilet roll and they'd made um, like flags saying, well done, you made it. And they, yeah, they were hiding in some bushes and jumped out at the last minute to surprise us. So yeah, that was an amazing finish to it. And I got to spend my dad's 60th with him there, which was awesome. And yeah, um, amazing location, a memory for life, like the mini adventures we had there. And yeah. So then that brings me to September. So at the end of that trip, one reason for the trip really was sort of as well to reflect on life and be like, well, where do we want to be? Um, The places we wanted to go at the start of the year are are now closed. So we were just keeping an open mind, like whether we'd want to stay in Europe or go somewhere else. And we basically um, decided to go to Mexico. So... After that time in France with my dad and sister, um, they brought the bikes back to England and all of our stuff. And we booked some flights and went to Mexico. So I lived in Mexico for the last three months of 2020. And again, that was part of exploring where I want to live, what environments are most nourishing for me. Um, As I've already touched on for anyone that knows me, like I live in this I suppose you could call it an inner conflict of where where is my home? Is it England? Is it away? Um, and I don't even want to call it a conflict. Like uh, my mentor, Victoria Bowman, like said, and this really landed for me and this is how I view it now, is like just see it as a curious experiment with life. Like you're collecting the cute clues. Like don't treat it as a serious thing. Where do I want to live? Where, I'm, where am I meant to be? Where am I meant to settle? And you can apply this to anything in your life, but see it as, well, I'm just living through life. I'm experiencing it in the best way I can and navigating it in the best way I can and collecting clues along the way, clues to what makes you feel most nourished, most alive, most at home. So that's what Mexico was all about, really. And it was, yeah, again, another amazing experience, another amazing chapter um, headline points and, and things that I, I would class as an achievement. Firstly, getting to Mexico um, in these times, navigating that was interesting and I've learned a lot. And yeah, a big thing for me that really stands out about our time in Mexico, as well as the obvious like settling into a new place, finding a good place to live, um, was... Um, I had, well, we had our first plant medicine experience in the context of a ceremony with a shaman. So yeah, we came across um, this guy who ran San Pedro ceremonies in a jungle in Mexico. Um, And San Pedro is also known as Huachuma, the Huachuma cactus plant. And it's basically, yeah, like a plant medicine. It's I'm going to compare it to ayahuasca only because that's more well-known, but it's very different to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is, I mean, everyone's experience is different. I haven't had it, but um, they say if you want a wild journey, a rodeo ride, 
to be really like confronted with life things and you take ayahuasca um whereas wachuma is more of a loving experience um you just feel love and ease um for life really so we were really intrigued by it and, and went ahead with it and yeah it was like this awesome beautiful jungle experience with a few other people around a fire led by a shaman we took the plant medicine and yeah it was like an all-day experience by the beach the jungle was by a beach and just like just totally went in the process and yeah that could be I guess another episode in itself um but yeah I definitely see that as an achievement for trying something new and going going inwards and learning more about myself embracing plant medicine and nature it has so many gifts to offer and alongside that I also discovered something called Hape, Rape is it's also known as I don't know if you've heard of it it was the first time I'd heard of it um, and they like gave it to us in the ceremony, which is basically like, it's, um, how would you describe it? It's like this, it's ground tobacco. It's like a powder and it's mixed with other sort of sacred medicinal plants and it's administered through the nose. So it's like blown into your nose through a stick and it permeates the blood brain barrier. But it's been used for thousands of years in in sacred practices um i think it mainly comes from tribes in brazil and peru and yeah that was part of the ceremony and at first i was a bit scared about having it like up my nose i was like whoa things aren't meant to go up there and i didn't really want to do it in front of everyone but i just surrendered that word again and went with it and yeah it was interesting and amazing um I definitely didn't vibe with it as much the first time I had it but then I decided to experience it again and now it's like a tool I have in my life and I use it now and then um particularly in my meditations it really takes you to like this deep grounded place it really facilitates meditation and when I have it I just feel I have no other way to describe it other than being elevated in the universe like my head feels like it's in the universe yeah it's a really really beautiful thing as I say it's made from like sacred ingredients that have been used for thousands of years um yes that was really interesting to experience and as I say I class that as as an achievement because it's something new I've experienced and like more the inner reflection and the inner growth I've had as a result particularly how it helps me to anchor into my meditations um yeah it's been really yeah beautiful and amazing and I have to say during my time in Mexico there was this underlying feeling of oh should I be in the UK look at everything everyone's going through like that feeling of I guess a bit of guilt like oh should I be on the front line suffering with everyone and I want to be there to help and do something about this situation but then what I really believe and having reflected and yeah one of my overriding like views on life which I say and share in many contexts is we're not necessarily meant to suffer like life as I've already said is meant to be joyful and pleasurable and particularly in the current circumstances I think it's so important to do what you need to do to feel good to put yourself in a place that causes you anxiety if you don't have the right tools or quite frankly you don't want to be there it's not the most nourishing environment 
you're not going to get a medal for that. Like what the world needs right now is people feeling good because that elevated feeling has a vibrational impact on everyone else. And the more people that feel good, they feel nourished, they feel excited about life. How will the world change if more of us feel like that? And I was like, this, no, this is where I need to be. This is right for me in this moment because I know how things will get to me if I'm back there. And yeah, for me, there's no, there's no martyrdom to that. Like I'm not going to suffer just because I feel like I should have to, if that makes sense. And yeah, it definitely um, helped me in terms of elevating myself on so many different levels. Um, Yeah, and kind of related to that. And one thing that that sticks out, I didn't actually write that down, but it's just come to me is like um, how committed I got to my meditation practice in Mexico got up most mornings with my partner went to the beach and meditated there and I know that sounds really ideal and like listening to myself I'd be like oh yeah as if you're ever going to do that but I just got into it and it's like I'm really struggling to do it now but it was like a really beautiful thing I got into and that totally helped me and another thing I'll share there actually that just reminded me is like before I went to Mexico I was really worried about being behind of the UK so it was six hours behind when we first got there and I like had this <clears throat> feeling, oh my God, I'm going to be behind, you know, in terms of emails and work. You're going to be behind, you're going to be behind. Like it was like this conditioning that, yeah, I was going to be on the back foot, if that makes sense. And like one of the pros or something I always thought was a pro, but I've actually uncovered isn't true, is of Bali is that it's eight hours ahead. So I always had that feeling, I'm ahead, I'm ahead of my work. But again, it's going back to that time thing and that learning I've had in 2020. It doesn't matter. Nothing is behind. Nothing is ahead. And yeah, it worked out really well in terms of the timings with the UK and um, like work I needed to do for UK-based clients. Like everything just worked. And actually, I realised it was good for me in some ways being quote-unquote behind because there was nothing I could do. I needed to sleep. I woke up quite early when I did. I did my morning routine. And then I got to work and everything was fine. It was like I just managed when I could have a call. So it wouldn't be until after midday or 1pm UK time. And I just put that personal boundary in place. Just like other people put that personal boundary in place in terms of having children. Like, well, I've got the kids between this time. So it'd be easy if we speak then or whatever else other people are managing. And yeah, it worked well. And actually, it made me front load my work if that makes sense so I really got to it in the morning um whereas in Bali because I was ahead I was thinking oh I've got ages I've got all day in the evening if I need but actually I don't work that well in the evening it doesn't really serve me that well um but I still fell into that pattern so in Mexico it really made me front load my work so most of the time I'd finished everything Um, because of the crossover email time with the UK by say my 1pm and then I had the whole afternoon off obviously depending what other things were going on and maybe I'd do work in the background on certain things but um, yeah for me it actually worked quite well and that was another lesson of timing like just relax go with the flow like yeah just see what different things present to you and and how can you work with them best And then, yeah, during my time in Mexico in October, I launched Legally Different. So I launched it from Mexico, which was awesome. As I said, I planned to um, 
launch it early in the year, maybe July or August, but then I ended up going on the cycle ride and I had plans of launching it whilst on the cycle ride and then I just thought that's not happening. I'm cycling so much and then my next priority was my legal work and then just enjoying things like downtime and stuff. So yeah, but anyway, it was launched in October, which is amazing. Um, So it's about three months old now. And yeah, thank you to all of you listeners. Thanks to everyone who supported. It really means the world. Like it's got a five star rating on Apple, which is amazing. Not that that's everything, because really what's most important to me is like um, how it's landing with people, how it's helping people, how it's inspiring people. Um, Yeah. So yeah, thanks so much to all of the listeners for their support. As I said at the beginning, I've got so many amazing guests lined up. I can't wait to share them with you. And then, yeah, we get to the end of the year, which, you know, was just like last month. Um, We came back to the UK at the end of November. We sort of felt like a calling to come back. Like, you know, the nice bits of the UK that we were missing and family and stuff. So again, with the kind of experiment in mind and collecting the life clues, um, we came back and decided to live kind of our best version of what England would be. So like we're living in the countryside, we really want to live um, in nature and kind of like, yeah, as naturally as possible, I guess. So that's what we're experimenting with at the moment. Um, and we'll we'll see where that goes. Watch this space. And yeah, I think um, they're like the key headline things I really wanted to share with you. And I guess actually, I can't really wrap up this actually without speaking about something else, which has been a key part of 2020, sort of all the way through really. And that's like the conflicting information we get. And really for me, a huge learning, a huge learning is, is the importance of discerning the information running it through our own filters, our own bullshit filters, what we know to be true and what and things that we know we ought to be researching properly to assess if they're true. Um, Yeah, the power of discernment. And as lawyers, for those who are lawyers who are listening, we are case builders, aren't we? That's what we do. We like, we understand our point of view and then the other point of view and then a different parties and like different factors and strategic things in the mix. Like we are case builders and it's like, how can we bring that into our personal life in terms of lots of the issues that are going on? Like considering all angles and then discerning what what is right for us. So I've definitely taken this approach actually quite from the beginning, to be honest, with all of the different things going on. And yeah, in the beginning, some of the things I was delving into felt super heavy um, and I've really learned a lot of new things and changed my beliefs around a lot of new things, which was quite triggering in the beginning. That was definitely around uh, March, April. Definitely quite triggering to really change certain belief systems about things um, in that way. And yeah, I've just continued with that discernment throughout the year. And if I choose to go down a rabbit hole, I'll um, definitely look into sort of the mainstream position, the opposite position, um, resources I know I can rely on. If there's someone involved, their view, um, the opposition's view. um, Or sometimes I choose not to go down a rabbit hole at all because it can be quite heavy. 
Um, and yeah, crazy, and it opens your eyes up to a lot of things. So that and that's okay too. It's okay to decide I'm not going to look at that. But when I choose not to do that, if someone brings up a topic or issue, I'll be like, hey, I don't know. I know that side. I know what the mainstream position is, but I don't know those sides. So I can't really have a view on it. My feel is X, Y, Z. But yeah, I just choose not to really talk about something in any detail unless I've really looked into it and understood sort of all sides and then processed it through my own discernment and yeah my own filters and yeah something popped up the other day on Instagram which I thought was really really interesting and it was like a little snippet about how if red ants and black ants are put into the same jar they'll like live happily together but if the jar is shook intensely they'll start fighting each other um they think one side's attacking the other and it's like it just really landed for me it really resonated and it's like what we're all genuinely in this together we're all humans yeah we might have different views and perspectives but that's normal it's what makes us like we're human and we're in it together how can we have compassion for everyone genuine compassion not not the compassion we choose to have at appropriate times when it fits our beliefs and values. And I do think like, yeah, that's how we'll get through a lot of this through genuine compassion and support and and recognition that we're all human and we're all in this together. And yeah, I guess I want to give a bit of a high five to the meme. I think the meme had its year in 2020, didn't it? Um, Yeah. They, they exploded on Instagram and other social media modalities and again, they can be quite funny and humorous and probably should just be taken with a pinch of salt. Um, but yeah, they're definitely, they've definitely had their year and, and perhaps it will continue. So yeah, that brings me to the end of everything I wanted to share with you. I hope you've, it's ended up being quite long, I thought it'd just be half an hour we're over one hour at the moment but I hope you um took something from this maybe some inspiration as to how to reflect on on your own year how you can move forward into 2021 um yeah any snippets that resonated with you in terms of moving into 2021 I wouldn't put any pressure on yourself like at this time of year there's so much pressure to set new year goals and stuff but I definitely think goals or I prefer to set intentions rather than goals ought to come from the inside out, not like external goals we think we should be reaching for. And I think so the first thing with that is just setting goals in January because you think you should is like starting the year outside in, if that makes sense. So definitely just go with the flow. And if you're going to set goals and intentions, set them when feels right to you. Um, I haven't, and maybe in an ideal world, I had would have had done that by now and perhaps shared them with you, but um, I haven't, and that's all cool. Um, I really want to sit with it and integrate 2020. Now I've been through these reflections, and then I probably will set some intentions because I like to do that, um, but just sort of sharing some tips and things I've learned around that is ensuring that intentions or goals are set from a place of how you want to feel that's a good way of doing it from the inside out rather than the outside in so if you're thinking of something you want to achieve let's say I don't know a promotion 
Why do you want to achieve that? Like, how will it make it you feel? Um, and is that really necessarily going to make you feel that the way you want to feel? Are you going to get the sense of satisfaction you think it will? You think it will give you. Um, it may well do, and that's all cool. But I'd start with feelings like you want to feel financially abundant. You want to feel worthy and recognised. Um, you want to feel successful. And then take it down down at a more granular level. Well, what does success mean to you? How would you feel financial abun- financially abundant? What other factors are in the mix for that for you? Like how else do you want to feel? Do you want to do that with joy? Or do you want to do that through hard work and grinding? Like really get quite specific on the feelings. And I found when you do that, it's specific enough, but it it lets a, it leaves a lot to the universe and it leaves room for surprises and things maybe you'd have thought were outside of your remit, but you've anchored into different feelings and it's the feelings you're aiming for rather than an external thing that may or may not give you that feeling or that sense of satisfaction, if that makes sense. So yeah, I think that's, if you're going to set goals and intentions, that's a really powerful way to do it. And otherwise, don't put pressure on yourself. I mean, for some people, it's enough that you get up out of bed and you get through the day. If you're more in that survival zone, I, yeah, I feel you. I see you on that. Um, So yeah, don't put pressure on yourself. And the final thing I would say is I think there's a lot of the narrative is like 2021 is going to be better. And there's a lot of hope for it to be better because people think it has to be better than 2020, which I get. But I think, and as we saw from 2020, there are a lot of different powers at play right now. And I'm always one to look at the positive side. Anyone who knows me knows that. But I think this this period requires us to level up a notch and live out the version of the, of life we want to see. And you can do that in lots of just small ways So if you have a vision for how you want things to be in 2021, how can you make that a reality now, even just in a micro way? So if you're saying you want to be like really healthy in 2021, like how are you honoring that now? How are you living and breathing that now in smaller ways? If you want freedom in 2021, how are you living and breathing that now in in the ways as much as you can? Um... And just to share a learning I had about two years ago when I was working on sort of money mindset, I realised the world will change through where money is spent. And it was important to me. I said I believed in certain things and certain, you know, ideologies, but I wasn't putting my money towards them in terms of the products I was buying, um, the food, the way I was living. And so I made a shift then to truly spend money on the things and products that I believe in because our money is our vote our money is what makes the world go around whether you agree and think that's right or not it's true and our money is one of the most powerful things we can vote in life for what we want for what we want the future to look like so um yeah just sharing that in case it's useful for you because it was a game changer for me And yeah, um, I think that is everything I wanted to say now. Oh, there's so much. High five if you got to the end of this. Let me know, drop me a message if you did. 
Um, kudos to you. Thank you so much for listening to this. I really, really, really appreciate your time and attention and all of your support um, with Legally Different. It means the world to me. And I, from the bottom of my heart, with every cell in my body, wish you an abundant 2021, a 2021 full of freedom, health, financial prosperity, and yeah, anything else that you truly wish for. And I see, I see that for the world, I feel it, and I know that that's what we can create together. So yeah, thanks so much for being here. Again, it's much appreciated. And I'll see you over at the normal episodes when they resume. Thank you.